Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the Leeds Up podcast. I'm Paul and tonight I'm joined by Rocco. Hello. So that that didn't sound very lively, Rocco. We're uh, we're in a much better position than we were this time last week. We're sat after the Watford victory and also having watched or not watched or followed Burnley leaving. It's uh, your season's at great heights, isn't it, when you're watching... Burnley Norwich and praying for a Norwich win. That's where we're at. And that's what we got. So uh, pretty happy this weekend. Very happy. Yeah, you have to be. It's been pretty much perfect. I mean, you wouldn't have said that when Everton beat Man U, but with Leeds winning and Burnley losing, yeah, I'm I'm all for Man United losing again. So that's completely fine by me. Happy days. Yeah, what can you say? It's uh, It's looking really good. Like when I was making a real mess of trying to work out the permutations the other night, I think I hadn't realised that Burnley would play four times again mm-hmm. after we played yesterday. It's crazy. They've got a really tough, uh, not necessarily the toughest on paper fixtures you'll get all season, but the run of games. So I, I work with a lot of Burnley fans and on Wednesday afternoon, so before the game, they were terrified. They they thought they'd lose, but they're like, we're at, we're like, we'll win one of them. We'll win of them. It'll be so Burnley to win tonight, and then we'll lose to Norwich. Yeah. And I know it's easy to say these things, but I, I guess the it's not just the fixture congestion. It's the mental burden of playing all those games in one go, and we don't really have that pile up at any point, yeah. which which hopefully. We'll play into our hands. I've seen a lot, of, a lot of people saying we're safe. The nine points when it was just three games felt, and, and knowing that the next time we played, we could be in the bottom three felt very, very kind of risky to be spouting off that we're safe. But how safe do you feel now? 
fairly safe, but we, I would never ever say that we are safe. I, I, well, we're not safe. You know, that's that's a complete matter of fact, and, and not even bringing mathematics and all that crap into it. You know, Burnley play four times, so it's very much a case of sitting back and seeing what they do. And yeah, losing to Norwich is like it's it's a mental blow to them, isn't it? Um, whereas before today, I was concerned that Burnley could go on a decent run. That I don't think the fixtures even like Villa. I think they've got Villa at home and away, actually, and they've got Leicester mm. maybe at home and Southampton at home. You know, they've got a lot of winnable games. So when people say they've only won three all season, well, a lot of their winnable games are, are coming up. But having lost that game, I, I feel a lot better. But yeah, it's just, it's such a weird situation, isn't it? To have literally just to be sat back now for however long it is, watching all our rivals play and, and see, well, see how safe we are when we next take the pitch against Palace because... We're not safe. Well, it's highly likely that we'll need at least one more point, you would have thought. But it could be enough. It could be. The thing that, I, I guess, this excites me, and it's it's so similar, yet totally different to the promotion chase, because ultimately the thing at stake is the same thing as playing in the Premier League next season. But it's those it was i mean it was around easter when it all started to shake yeah. shape up because you got the fixture congestion sky started fiddling with it and putting sheffield united on first and but never four games in a row but that's a that's a covid quirk as as much as anything else yeah it um, was a bit though that because like in in that like in the running to promotion because sky was shown every game we were it was like it wasn't the same team four games in a row but it was like you know you'd have to sit through each of the rivals West Brom, Fulham, Brentford, you know, they were all playing and then we'd have to take the pitch. So it was a bit similar, just, yeah, completely condensed. So, yeah, Burnley have got West Ham away and West Ham really random form. I I don't know if West Ham have got their second leg of their European game this week because West Ham seem to have been awful after their European games. Mm. Yeah, they do. They do do play on Thursday. And that's that's away as well. So, Mm. like, you're looking at that going... That's not the home banker that you would think it could be, especially given the context. Then they've got home games against Southampton and Wolves. So there's no point guessing because you'd like to think that they're only going to get a couple up to four points from those fixtures, but anything can happen. Yeah, it really could. It, you know, it's not like we're talking about them playing, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool. You know, these these are matches, the Premier League games where Burnley are easily capable of getting these results. And again, actually, because they've they've got those three fixtures before we play the Monday night, they can still go above us in that time by winning all three fixtures on goal difference and we'd have a game in hand. And I think uh, people would be terrified if we end up in that position. I'm gonna, I'm, what I'm wanting is to wait till next, just before their next game and then get an accumulator on them to win all three when all the odds are out. Because that guarantees it won't happen. Yeah. And if it does happen, I'll be a wealthy man and I'll be quite <laughs> happy to take that. Yeah. So yeah, that would they would be above us if they win the next three. We would have a game in hand on Burnley and it could be uh, back to squeaky bum time. But fingers crossed that won't happen. Uh, I mean, we're meant to be, I've, this should all probably have been at the end of the podcast because I haven't mentioned the game once. James will saw it. Can I saw it or I can leave it as it is. James is uh, away tonight, so 
Shout out to old Jimbo. Thank you for editing this podcast because we're probably going to hop here, there, and everywhere. Cut out what you like. Great result, Rocco. <laughs> yeah, hi, Paul. Yeah, fantastic result yesterday. I had a, I had a great day. I went down to the game, actually. Um, I was in the home end um, right in front of the Leeds fans who were on incredible form, actually. They were, they were so loud and relentless. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it was the best performance, was it? But, you know, we did enough. You know, we're playing against a crap team and we were the better team and we were clinical, um, you know. So great. Well, well done to the lads. It's uh, it, it's a, it's an away win and a resounding one. Do you do, you do that a lot going home ends? Uh, honestly, I, I just cannot be asked trying to get away tickets anymore. I've, I've completely given up on that bloody website. So yeah, I do. If I, if I have a chance to go in the home and, and I'm allowed to go, then, uh, then yeah, I do that. It's not ideal. Yesterday was the first time I've ever celebrated a goal in the home end, actually the third goal, even though it was the least meaningful. I, yeah. I think maybe the surprise of it, I just couldn't help yelp and uh, jump out of my seat. But yeah. The, the previous two times I've been in the home end, we lost 6-0 and 7-0. So I think I deserved deserved a little bit of a celebration. Did you do that because the ground was virtually empty by that point? <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I mean, me and my mate call it the secret away. And, and uh, it really was like at the end of the game, we just went down to the front and all the people that had been sat around us were all there just chanting Rodrigo's song. And in the lads, like no one, we didn't care at that point. And you know, there's, I mean, there's no passion in that in that Watford Stadium at all. It was, it was just, it was just awful. So it was a game that they really had to win. They were just like they just didn't seem to care at all. I honestly didn't hear a single song. Um, it was, it was diabolical. We've played Watford twenty seven times. Yesterday was such a significant game. We haven't had the most, the the highest of uh, quality results against Watford over recent years because I still go back to the uh, playoff final, but that was actually we've played them more times since then than we than we ever had done before. Then, Jeez. so we've played Watford fourteen times since then, and we've beaten them. That's the fifth time we've beaten them since then, and yeah, we've been we have been tonked by them a few times mm. and had some ropey results that game was the reverse millennium stadium it was the three nil and it was the i don't know because of what was at stake being broadly similar to uh what happened uh it's not exactly the same because that was a loser stays down kind of job wasn't it but in this instance it's put us in a really kind of Comparing our position to Watford's, we're in a very strong position. I think Norwich have said today, well, we still believe we can stay up. Um, if they do stay up, it's got to be at the expense of, like, who do they think they can catch? <laughs> It'd have to be Everton, I suppose, wouldn't it? I don't, how many, do you know how many points behind Norwich are now? I think they're maybe five or six. Not actually that far. There's, there's seven points behind Everton. Right. They've got, They've got... Uh, seven games to go so they need to make up and Everton have got eight games to go mm. so they need to make up more than a point per game on Everton yeah Everton have got a tough running yeah hey guess what I'm back to not talking about the game <laughs> uh, you love permutations don't you you can't get I enough do, of them. I do like, looking at it and hoping that by looking through these results the answer will come at me whether we 
going down or staying up, that the answer's there and it's not. The answer's on the pitch on a Saturday and a, well, every day of the week. And that's how we're, what will come to pass. But, right, so speaking of passing, we were shocking in the first half. Couldn't <laughs> pass the ball. They were terrible, but it was just... Do you think there was an air of pressure and caginess or was it just what was the pitch like? You were there... What happened? No, yeah, I, I mean, my view really wasn't good, but um, yeah, I just thought it was it was just a game between two teams not playing well, really, and, and maybe you could say it was Leeds that weren't playing well and Watford were just, just being Watford. Um, yeah, we just never really seemed to get going, but I don't know if it maybe was part of the, the game plan, um, you know, to, to soak up the pressure and, and hope to get the first goal. I know Marsh has spoke about the importance of getting the first goal, which, you know, it's, it's a nothing comment, isn't it? Everyone tries to score the first goal, but you know, if, if he is, if that is a focus then then maybe, maybe he was being a bit more careful um, and, and just hoping to get the goal, which, which he did. And, and, and if that is the case, then fair enough. Um, you know, we've got players like Rafinha and Rodrigo on, on form, you know they are gonna they are gonna do stuff. They're gonna make stuff happen. Um, so yeah, you know maybe 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 we deserve more credit than people have been giving us. Um, but I was a few pints in, so <laughs> no. So did you did you stop down there or did you no. secret away fan friend drive you yesterday? What was it? I, tr- I got the train actually got the train train down and train back. Yeah, and a wonder. And uh, my, my my connection from York was cancelled at ten past nine, so I had to have an extra couple of bo- bonus pints at the end. So I am a bit tired today. Yeah, that's uh, been watching videos all day. Those are the ca- those are the kind of days where, like, I got up and first thing I did was watch match of the day this morning to. And partially because I think James had put a tweet out this morning and on the freeze frame of the statistics where it compares Marsh and Bielsa oh, this season. And you're like, it's terrible journalism because yeah. they even use a picture of Bielsa looking like forlorn in him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, like you, you just cannot compare the fixtures like that, that we've had because this run of games, this run of six games that Marsh has presided over were our most straightforward run of the season in some respects in terms of not playing those teams having just played a huge run of top six clubs and yeah we still like in the final six we've got three two three three of them still to come so we do have a tough run and it's not going to be easy to get points out but comparing it is is crazy there's no comparisons until he starts a new season next year if we're still in the premier league for me yeah. because you can't say what would have happened at the end of this year no um, and also you know the, the play you know apart from the opposition there's also the players that have come back and you know cooper and obviously phillips hasn't really been playing but cooper's a big part of that and um i mean I, you have to like marsh has, has done fantastically well um you know i after the villa game you know, I, I think I said, maybe not on here, but I said I'd be stunned if we stayed up. And, and you know, since then, he's done really, really, really well. Um, but it is really annoying to see, yeah, see those sorts of graphics. It it, it does wind me up. But it also wound me up when, you know, Gary Lineker asked him again about his accent and, you know, talking about Ted Lasso. It's like, that really pisses me off, to be honest. Like, I know it's not racist, but, like, it is a bit, you know. It, it, it's really out of order. It's lazy as well, isn't yeah. it? It's like yeah. you're gonna comment on the game, you're gonna comment on statistic, on tactical things, and how things have uh, progressed. And 
hanging in there and was it like even if he said to him was it lucky it'd be cheeky but it'd be uh yeah like about the match wouldn't it so yeah, yeah so having been there did did you at all feel that we were hanging in at points because Roy I mean Roy Hodgson this is a bit harsh this is off topic as well he looks really old <laughs> yeah. those bags under like, his eyes bless him jeez they, they but um yeah he said that at one nil he felt that they were, he felt at 2 0 they were in it in the home end. Did you get all excited or were you, with, with your little Hornet friends? Or were you? Nah, I, um, I, I couldn't really see them scoring. Um, you know, they, they were just so poor. There was that one chance in the second half, and I, I said to my mate, it was like a, you know, it was like Sunday league finishing where he, you know, the guy yeah. he was clear on a goal in front of him, he just let it come across him and then blazed it into the stand. And he could have just side footed, footed it home. And I think that summed up Watford they just didn't have them in have it in them to score um yeah I, I I just I mean there was periods of certain pressure but yeah I don't know I, I just never really felt that worried about it well on my scouting mission of watching Watford while stood in the cop bar last Saturday before the Southampton game I thought they looked really organized and disciplined etc but our goals, I would say, except the the Harrison finish was was brilliant, and that was a really well worked goal, probably a bit on the counter. But the other two were comedy defending. Yeah, they were yeah. absolutely shambolic, weren't they? That second was just brilliant, wasn't it? Absolute, yeah, just just a shambles. Um, and the first moment, one as well. My favorite moment in that in the second one is when. It bobbles off him. Rodrigo takes a touch round the keeper, and their defender throws his arms in a fit before he's yeah. in. <laughs> <It does. laughs> Which is genius. Yeah. But yeah, Rafinha's finish, another yeah. top draw finish in that game. Definitely. Yeah. He gave, must have gave the keeper the eyes. You couldn't really see it, but um, like the, it, Foster took a step to his right, and that's just what beat him. He just whipped it in and in off the post. It, it couldn't have been a better a better place finish. And Rodriguez was a decent finish as well, to be fair, you know, the composure speed as well to pounce on it and get it around him and, and took it home. Um, yeah. Rafinha's was nicer. That, that was a lovely goal. All three. Yeah. All three decent finishes. I, I, did we have any other chances? I don't, did we have any other shots? I can't actually remember nearly scoring. Well, pe- people talk about Dan James pace and, mm. uh, I know I mentioned this before about the, the Ian Hart thing, uh, uh, saying about him only having pace. He didn't offer much yesterday. The game did change when we uh, managed to uh, <laughs> take him off. Do you think that he will be more productive next season when playing as a winger? I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I hope so. I hope so. I don't I don't want to speak too badly of him because um, he, like, he has so much to offer. I'm just not convinced um, on the ball that he's he's really got it. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. You know, he, he he does such great running. I'm sure he'll be useful, and and hopefully, you know, playing on the wing every week, he'll he'll get better. Um, which I don't know. A lot of people, you know, love James and think he's doing really well, including James. Um, you know, so maybe maybe my blind hatred of Man United is uh, is affecting my judgment of him. We had 
10 attempts on goal yesterday, so we're forgetting wow. a solid seven of them. <laughs> Jeez, all by James. Well, I've, potentially. <laughs> I doubt it, though. I felt that... Oh, Phillips had a shot. Oh, he did, yeah. That was good. Decent save, anyway. I thought that um, for Watford, that their best player was that Kuchka who was playing in the middle of the park, and he he was involved in anything strong that they were doing, and they took him off. Mm-hmm. And that was at 1-0 as well. So I don't know whether that hinged on anything within the game. Oh, here it says that Luke Aylin had the most shots in the game. He had three shots, more than anyone else in the game. Oh, he, sp- <laughs> he spooned one into the stand and everyone started chanting, Luke Aylin, afterwards, because I think we were 3-0 up and it didn't okay. matter. Yeah. Did we have another chance at a corner? Another one of those ones where we should be doing better, but managed to just fluff it. I don't know. You can't complain about your offensive play when you've won 3-0, can you? So, Oh, God, no. No, the boys did their job. But yeah, Greenwood, uh, he you know, did, did lovely stuff when he came on, to be fair. Um, got his assist. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's your take on this thing? Because this the, the two debates that I've seen online since then. One is of is Harrison a quality proven when he's proven starter, like having scored three in a row. The other one is why is Greenwood coming on before Gelhart? So What's your take on those two situations? Um, yeah, I think I think definitely Harrison is. Uh, I think he's he has to start games. I would I would I think he's been you know really good last two seasons yeah this season he's had dips in form but I think he offers us so much I'd, I'd always want to see him out there um and I, you know I, I love Harrison um you know even if he frustrates at times you know like we've said before it's such a tough league we're up against the best teams in the world pretty much and you know if he's, he's I think he's allowed to have some bad games as a winger especially you know his job is to make stuff happen it's not easy um so yeah no definitely Harris I'm a, a Harrison fan yeah, the Greenwood one was funny, and I don't know if it's just because Joffy was uh, not training in the week, or you know, like people have said before, you know, I mean, Gelhart. It sounds like he's just a number nine. You know, I know he's played number ten, but yeah, if he wanted to bring on a, a number ten, then then Greenwood must have been the man. And I must say, I've not really seen anything from Greenwood previously to make me think that he's he's going to make it at Leeds. But um, but yesterday, he, he, he just he looked comfortable. He looked a part of it. And it was really nice in him and Somerville on the pitch as well. Um, and it's good to hear Marsh, you know, the way he talks. You know, you, there's a lot there's a lot that, is, that Marsh says and does that makes you realise why they earmarked him as Bielsa's eventual replacement. Um, you know, he's, he is big on developing players and 
and all that side of things. Um, so yeah, let's let's give them a chance and and you know, especially if we can if we can you know get get one more win on the board, it'd be nice to see them start some games even and yeah, just try and try and blood them in because if we are you know the, the squad is you know the the Bielsa players if you like you know they're all in the thirties now, um, so we do have to start to start thinking about the next the next uh, era. And being next to the away fans, you impressed with the, the Leeds fans yesterday? Ah, oh, they were amazing. They were absolutely brilliant. Um, as good as good as I can remember them for for a long time. Absolutely superb. Just so loud. Never gave. Never never shut up. Basically, it's a really good away end as well because it's all you know. It's just one one bank. Nice big roof for the acoustics. Um, yeah, it was great. Had a, had a lovely time in the sun, just singing their nice songs. Uh, yeah, it was it, it was it was quality. Really really impressed because I, I, like, I must say, like, there's been a couple of games this season where you know they've not seemed as sort of exuberant as as normal. And maybe that's the way things are going on the pitch, although that's never mattered in the past. Um, but yesterday they were on absolute top form. It was it was class. So, um, having Liam Cooper back now and playing a playing a second game, we've only conceded one goal in that time, and it was a set piece. So, just how important is Liam Cooper to this Leeds United team? Yeah, it's it's, it's imperative. I think like I, it always used to annoy me when you know when people said that Stroke you know had to start and all this. Um, I just I just feel like Cooper's still has this reputation, you know, that from from the pre-Bielsa time that, you know, a lot of people just can't get their head around the fact that he is a top Premier League defender. Like all the stats back it up. Um, and you can see it in the way he plays. He's yeah, I, I just think he's absolutely he's just been brilliant for us. Um, give him a foreign name and a long haircut. Um, you know, people have been waxing lyrical every week and you know, you wouldn't hear any bashing when he, when he even, you know, puts a foot wrong. I think he's absolutely class and, and yeah, you know, clearly as a leader as well. Why do you think that is then? Because Calvin Phillips, yeah, he enhanced his reputation from prior. People would have been, no one would have batted an eyelid if Calvin Phillips had gone. No one would have batted an eyelid if, uh, Stuart Dallas had gone. Luke Aileen was all right. But of those, definitely with Phillips and, and Dallas, they could have gone for most people. Yeah. But it's still Liam Cooper that people come back to and, and give the stick. So what's the difference? I suppose, I mean, it's just popped into my head now. Um, I wouldn't have been able to answer a few minutes ago, but then I just thought, well, he is a centre-back. So when he does make a mistake... You know, it, it's easier to highlight them, you know, if they're leading to goals. And, yeah, there's been times that set pieces where, you know, we could have done better. And, yeah, so I suppose his mistakes are highlighted more. Um, and and maybe maybe that sticks in people's heads and it brings brings all the bad memories flooding back, you know, or, you know, you know Cooper, Cooper again. Um, yeah, I, I, think it, I think it might be that. Because, um, yeah, for me, it's just, it, it's just an absolute rock. When you're 1-0 up in a game... And you've got the uh, England's Player of the Year 2021 to bring onto the uh, pitch. How much of a luxury is that to have? <laughs> it's not bad, is it? It's not bad at all. He was, and he was loving it after the game. There's a brilliant video of him uh, singing the the Rodrigo song with him. Yeah, uh, oh, it's class. It's like it just gives everyone a lift as well. And like, I'm really looking forward to seeing him and Forshaw in midfield. I think that. 
there'd be uh, yeah, it'd be like Xavi and Iniesta in my head. Um, let's see if it comes to pass. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the stuff on whoscored.com. It's brilliant. The rundown it tells you your strengths and weaknesses. Watford's strengths were stole the ball often from the opposition, which we also got. They got no other strengths. We were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities through individual skill, effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from long shot situations, and were strong at finishing. I don't think it took a genius to pick out these things, but Watford's weaknesses, they were poor at finishing. They lost possession often. They were caught offside often and they committed a high number of individual errors. Whereas our weaknesses, we lost possession often. Doesn't sound like a great game. <laughs> and no. we gave, a, gave away a lot of free kicks around the box. Yep, mm. very true. Yeah, you, well, you can't argue with that, I suppose, can you? That's uh, pretty Just much fact. factual. But it does have... Uh, the top-rated players on the pitch, uh, which I think is helps us move on to our man of the match. Where are you going with yours? I'm going to go with... I think I'm going to go with Rodrigo again, if I went for him last time. I can't remember where I ended up landing, but um, I just think he's just playing so well um, and obviously took his goal nicely, but he's just, just knitting everything together. Um, and... Like you can't really argue with the fact that it's come since Bielsa left and, and maybe it is the way Marsh is deploying him. But then also I'd like to just say, you know, for 18 months, everyone was saying, oh, Rodrigo's not a number 10. Rodrigo's not a number 10. The Rodrigo experiment has to end, blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah. And yeah, look, Bielsa was right in the end. All it took was sacking him to get the best out of him. Who do you think had the worst passing accuracy? <laughs> um, on the Leeds team, I imagine you're, you're referring to her. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Rodrigo. Rodrigo's passing accuracy was above average. It was 67.7. Our highest, in fact, the highest in the entire game, our highest was uh, Loriente. Uh, Lori, l- l- I'm trying to get into the Jesse Marshall saying it. Lolo Loriente um, with 80%. But Dan James had a 50% accuracy, um, which was the same as Melier's. Mm. And I guess from a goalkeeper, when you're kicking it long, you you expect that the... Luke Ayling's was only 53.2. There's a lot of things highlighting here that it, it wasn't the best day for passing. No. I suppose our styles changed a bit as well, so the, the, the passing figures are going to be lower. Melier probably deserves a shout. I know... Um... He probably wasn't too busy, but I actually thought he did really well. He made a brilliant save in the first half, but in the end, stupid linesman put his flag up, like, you know, one of stupid these where, where it was like, yeah, miles after the event, but it was a brilliant save, you know, to spread himself as he always does so well. Um, that was ridiculous because he could have injured himself and then going for that loose ball, they could have injured himself. So <laughs> it's like, it's, it is ridiculous. It my head in, it really annoys me. Who's your man of the match anyway? I'm going to agree with whoscored.com and say Jack Harrison. <laughs> I just think, I thought Jack, I think he's really effective at the moment. And I was um, watching from Ireland yesterday, shall we speak, and they, were, they weren't particularly impressed with the, with the setup, with how narrow we are. They felt it, it restricts, like Harrison does like to pick it up out wide. And when you're getting them to cut in all the time, it helps you be more defensively stable, but it's, it makes it all really tight and it's like eye the needle kind of stuff when you're yeah. trying to, to move forwards. And actually his goal came from a, a good bit of width and he was persistent. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I th- 
I don't think I often go with Jack Harrison and his strike was a thing of beauty through his leg, bosh like a rocket. So it was the absolute icing on the cake and I'm really pleased for him. And he even seemed to smile and half celebrate his goal. (laughs) So um, yeah, it was, it was great. There were lots of people did pretty well. We weren't playing the best opposition we'll play for the rest of the season, were we? No, that's the thing. It's going to be tough um, in those last six games. Let's uh, finish with that then because we've got a little break coming up. We've kind of probably previewed it quite well already. Well, not quite well, but quite quite extensively. How many points do you think we will get in those last six games, and how many do you think will be enough? I think I think three might should be enough, and four will be enough. And um, I think I think I think we'll get five. I think we'll get five. Um, the tough games, like I, I just don't. My worry is is that if we lose at Palace, then we've got those run of really difficult games. We've got Chelsea a few days before the last home game against Brighton, so I wouldn't want to be going into that Brighton game needing something, um, and then I definitely wouldn't want to be going to Brentford needing something. So it's, it's still it's still there. The season's not dead. Um, We've got work to do, but yeah, three or four points will do the job. Do we still we still play Arsenal? Yeah, Arsenal away. Arsenal, so Arsenal away, away. Yeah. Chelsea and Manchester City at home, Brighton at home, and Brentford and Crystal Palace away. That's way too many teams that play in London. Like it, it is a horrible run from our perspective. It really is. You know, we'll give it a go. Well, we Arsenal won in London away. yesterday. We've been through this. A lot of the people are saying that. Like I saw stats on Twitter. Is it London? No. Get a map out. Come on. This is the, It will really wind me up. Although, for the sake of the curse, I'm happy to let it slide. It was yeah. definitely in London. Well, I got this the train is... to King's Cross, so, you know, it's well, a London yeah. away. Did you get a tube to Watford? Uh, no, it was an actual train. Oh. But it wasn't far, 14 minutes or something. No stops. It's great. Yeah, we do play... Arsenal away, uh, and it's in May. I don't know if Arsenal are just rubbish in April because uh, they have been rubbish. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I like to think that we'll have enough, and it's one of them where you think, oh, that's the game where we should get points. Maybe we'll get them somewhere else and see how it goes. I don't, but it's it's nice. I had this conversation with someone the other day. Being involved with something at this stage of the season keeps it incredibly interesting. That's the thing, you know, it's, I mean, it's been a difficult season, but, you know, now we're sort of, you know, with this nice run that we're on, we've had some really nice highs and I, I, yeah, I think at the end of the season, as long as we've stayed up, I mean, obviously we've not got Bielsa anymore, so that sort of nullifies this a little bit, but like, you know, it, it is progress, you know, every year, well, staying up the second year is progress, no matter where you finish, I think, you know, judging on history. And then it's just a case of making sure that we spend wisely and uh, and Jesse Marsh is uh, is a is a good top Premier League manager. Yeah, I've just seen Jürgen Klopp has said that the, uh, the, the draw with Manchester City is a result we have to live with. Like, what does that mean? I heard someone on Sky Sports News before the game describe that match as the biggest match in the history of English football. I swear to God, on Sky Sports News, that's what they'd said. Do you know why they're doing that? Because they think it's WrestleMania and the, the, <laughs> the WWE and they can just, like, continue to add these ridiculous statements every year yeah. and, that people, and that people will just accept it. 
And just I like, won't. Yeah, it's the biggest <laughs> match ever. You made me not want to watch it. It's like I'm not conforming to this shit. Is it hell? <laughs> well, it's ridiculous because it's not like I'm like Something I hated the, when people were billing it as a title decider. I'm like, my backside is it a title decider? No, no one wins the league with that many games to go when when you're one point ahead or two points, four, even four points ahead. There would be plenty of ways for City to bottle it. Ideally, at Ellen Road. Um, <laughs> right. It's it's fun being at the business end of the season. It's fun still being involved with something. We'd rather be involved at another end of the table. But as it is, there's something to play for. We're a little bit more comfortable. And it's not an international break, but it feels like another one. So enjoy your break. Watch. Everyone will feel like they could be Burnley season ticket holders having watched this amount of Burnley games <laughs> in this time. But fingers crossed. I was going to be mean about Burnley then and say if, if it was Burnley, they'll be having a lot of extra fingers crossed. But that's, there's no need for that, is there? It's not fair. It's not true. Well, it might be true for some of them. Anyway, hopefully they get nothing out of those three fixtures and we come back in two weeks' time straight after the Crystal Palace game, feeling like we can dance around the living room. Sounds good to me. Brilliant. See you then. Podcast Network.